0: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Tonight's main event, 3-2-1 Count with Chris and Bryant. Introducing first,
1: your reigning, defending, heavyweight champion, Chris. And a newbie, and new challenger, Bryant.
0: Howdy, everybody. It's 3-2-1 Count, Chris and Bryant. We had another subject uh, set up, or another topic, I should say, set up for tonight, um but then in recording the episode we went a little sidebar and uh ended up having a little bit more fun
1: with the sidebar yeah it was like a 20 minute tangent we did right there didn't we something like that yeah yeah we made like a 30 minute episode into an hour long episode which uh, hadn't been done before by us.
0: <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we went ahead and did the research and, um, you know, it's put together. So that one's going to be saved for a rainy day. Yeah. But within that, um, you know, we decided, you know, why don't we talk about uh, what got us into wrestling? Yeah. You know, in the first place, since this is going to be something we're going to cover within the podcast anyway. It kind of makes sense to kind of give a little background for both our sakes.
1: Yeah, especially something that's going to be like long-term. It's one of those main topics or mainstays in our podcast.
0: Yeah, and um, I figured um, since um, that is going to be a mainstay within the podcast, I should probably explain some of the terms that come along with wrestling as well. Yeah. Um, that way, if I use them, you guys kind of have a reference to go off of Um and if not, I could maybe explain them again a little later but uh, or in a future episode. But, yeah. you know, for now, here's the introductory to them. Um, for instance, there's the word kayfabe, which is a protection of the business um, sticking to your character. Is um, So if you're a good guy outside of the ring, you'd be a good guy as well. If you're a bad guy outside of the ring, you'd be a bad guy as well. That's something that the industry has kind of gone away from nowadays especially with uh things of social media and uh things like that and meet and greets and all that because if you meet somebody you want to make sure that you know you're nice and courteous to the fans because they're who kind of help set you up and get you to where you are
1: yeah and back in the day that was something that was uh
0: really protected super heavily protected um there was even instances where you had, like, uh, a couple wrestlers together who one might have been a babyface, one might have been a heel, and if they were caught together, like, in the public eye, they were fired. That's how heavily protected uh, Kayfabe was.
1: Yeah, so I don't know if you want to go over what um, heel and babyface is.
0: So, with heel and babyface, uh, if you were a babyface, that meant you were the good guy. Uh, white meat babyface was pretty much, like, top dog, um, you know, like, the best good guy, the number one uh, individual. If you're a heel, means you're a bad guy.
1: Yeah, pretty straightforward.
0: And then uh, another word that I use a lot is uh, getting color or having color, showing color. That just means bleeding.
1: Yeah, uh, and in that instance, how would you get bleeding?
0: Uh, so you could get bleeding either by blading or just from getting it through being in the ring and doing your maneuvers or falling out of the ring and taking a bump. Mm-hmm. Um, so with blading... What that is is the intention of cutting um, to get blood. Yeah. Um, so usually somebody would have uh, a razor blade on them. Uh, usually nine times out of ten would be through their wrist tape. Mm-hmm. And then they would uh, do something to peel away a couple layers and get to that blade and then do a precise. They try and do a precise cut. Uh, sometimes you'd have individuals like Abdullah the Butcher using like forks and digging into people and getting you know, really big nasty <laughs> color out of that. Jesus.
1: And then, um, <clears throat> but also it could be like unintentional, right?
0: It could be unintentional. I mean, usually if you had um, bleeding from the head, a lot of that was from bleeding. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you had it from uh, you know different parts of your body, that was usually like accidental
1: color. And, and accidental could be referred to, like in wrestling. I know it's referred as uh, botching. Yes,
0: and botching is just an error. Yeah, is an error that happens within the ring.
1: Yeah, so it's um, like it's, within the match. Yeah, if someone kind of like messes up, you refer it to as botching. And then I
0: also reference the term bump, uh, taking a bump, and that's how you could get color. Taking a bump is uh, a way of uh, taking a fall, mm-hmm. or um, you know, receiving a maneuver, a blow, a blow. Yeah, and that was kind
1: of uh, like not not meant for you to re- actually receive it, but you actually do receive it.
0: That and. um you know, when you're training to be a wrestler, you take a lot of bumps, mm-hmm. and that just means like falling on your back or falling to your side or just being downed. Uh huh. Um, that's that's what that
1: is. Yeah. So it's like stuff that you're not you're supposed to not meant to be hurt by, but since you didn't do it correctly, you yeah. get hurt. Or that, uh, then, uh, or in kayfabe, you know, you're you're um, like usually if
0: you're a heel, you mm-hmm. take more bumps than if you're a babyface. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Then, um. When you're the baby face, um, you know, you build up from taking a few bumps. Okay. Um, Another term is blown up, Uh which is um, basically being out of breath, exhaustion. Um, That's what that means, or winded. Winded. Um, That's what that is.
1: Um, Also, uh, I think when we were doing this previous episode or um, term, uh, what do you call it? Like episode, we would do uh, putting over. What would you say is putting over? So when you're
0: putting over somebody, that means um, they're they're the victor. They're mm-hmm. gonna get the win. They're okay. gonna get the um, they're gonna be the beneficiary out of it. Um, then another term is uh, if I'm talking about somebody could go in the ring, that means that they're good. That means okay. that they are um, one of the best in the industry, or you know, just somebody who can perform well within the ring. Yeah. Um, then uh, another big time term. Um, this would be more say, for um, tag team wrestling. Would be the hot tag. So usually that happens. Um, a hot tag comes on the receiving end of if you're a baby face team going against a heel team, the baby face would be getting beaten up, uh, thrown around, taking a lot of bumps. And then they'd go over to tag their partner. That'd be the hot tag.
1: Which so would kind of like get like kind of hyped it by would the, hype crowd. Up the
0: crowd. Yeah. And then the other guy would come in and just start cleaning house. And uh, cleaning house means that they're taking care of business, you know, beating up both guys within the stable, and could lead to the finish. And yeah, the finish is the end of the match.
1: <laughs> and like the hot tag could also uh, pro, um, end up causing like a pop. Yes, which in a wrestling- pop within
0: the crowd, and a pop within the crowd is um, a pop within the crowd is when the crowd just exuberantly cheers
1: yeah just it, really gets into it it really just gets like blows it. it's just like a lot of cheering and applauding and everyone gets on their feet that type of stuff when the crowd gets like a strong reaction yeah strong
0: reaction is mostly what a pop scene is so yeah. there's a lot of times where i'm describing to somebody like oh it made me pop um a lot of times when i'm talking about myself i mean like laugh but that's a big reaction
1: yeah
0: um so that's that's basically what pop means is big reaction
1: yeah so uh now that we got the terminology down uh, we could go into what our previous topic was, and when we did that research, uh, one of the things I found out was that there used to be like this territorial thing going on within the wrestling industry.
0: Yeah, back in the day, they had uh, territories. Mm-hmm. It wasn't what it is today. Um, actually, I mean, if you if you kind of look at it, today's kind of going back to those days of uh-huh. the territories because you have a lot of indie promotions that have a lot of uh, have a lot of um, stroke now in the business to where you can make a name for yourself on the independent circuit okay Um, you know you have the the two big companies today but like back in the day you had the WWWF representing kind of the northeast and that was owned by Vince McMahon's dad Vince senior And um, that featured uh, Bruno San Martino, who was a world heavyweight champion for seven years. And you had superstar Billy Graham. Andre the Giant got his start there um, in terms of wrestling in the United States. Um, You had uh, territories like USWF. Um, You had Memphis Wrestling, uh, where Jerry the King Lawler got his uh, big break in. And he was really a big uh, time wrestler over there. And that was run by Jerry Jarrett, the father of Jeff Jarrett um which you know were tied in a little bit to the uh nwa which was rick flair's big spot nwa was kind of like a big global ter- or not big global big countrywide territory as well
1: and all these uh territories they have like their own uh tv shows
0: yeah um espn would run some awa and nwa stuff awa was ran by the gagne's that was the american wrestling alliance as uh-huh. opposed to the national wrestling alliance and um Hulk Hogan actually got his start in the AWA, which was run by the Gagnés. And uh, Rick Martel, who would later become the model Rick Martel, was part of Strike Force with Tino Santana. He was a big-time AWA champion and reigned for a long time. And even Ric Flair would wrestle there from time to time within that because AWA and the NWA had a big working relationship with each other. As did the WWF, ran by Vince Sr., because he was very much in favor of territories. Now, when the Vince McMahon everybody knows of today, Vince Jr., uh, decided to buy out his dad's company, he changed it to the World Wrestling Federation instead of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. Uh huh. Um, that's when he got in and he started actually buying up territories, he even like went in and got. Uh, he purchased Stampede Wrestling before it started back up again, which was ran by the Hart family, which gave us the talents of Bret Hart and uh, Owen Hart and the British Bulldog, uh, Dynamite Kid, Jim the Anvil Neidhart, all got their start over there in Stampede Wrestling in Canada.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, then he would go around and just uh, start acquiring territories in Georgia and Florida and different spots like that. And Florida was known for uh, that was a big territory that uh, Dusty Rhodes was in Um, because he wanted it to be countrywide, but mainly with like one territory. Okay. Um, Because he wanted it to everybody just be under one umbrella. Really. Then you have um, like, you have the WWE network today, Vince was, a, he was kind of like uh he was a big time visionary. I should say he is a big time visionary because he's still doing it to this day. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, as often as people call him crazy. I mean, the, the man is a genius. At the same time, um, because you know, he was planning out the WWE network in the 80s before it was even a thing, you know, coming way up before
1: with, with the to- technology and all that type of stuff, right?
0: Yeah, he was trying to figure out ways in which people could watch the product uh, from home and watch all the pay per views and all this stuff under one single thing.
1: And I heard that he had kind of like had an idea way before uh, cable television was a thing, he had that idea, and then once cable television became a thing he was already uh, owner of all the territories
0: yeah so and that's another like- big reason because he wanted to be able to get onto cable television by having that big thing uh, then uh, having the bigger promotion all the other wrestlers from the different territories were going to want to go there anyway yeah so by that point well he took away all the top dogs from all the different spots so then they were just going to go there um and then you had some wrestlers who made their mark in the territories who, when they joined the WWF, they actually wouldn't wrestle in the territories that they were that they were known for. Like, for instance, Roddy Piper was really big in uh, Portland. Uh-huh. So he had in his contract, whenever WWF wrestles in Portland, I will not go out there B- out of respect for that because he's like, this is where I made my name. This is where I made the big draw. Uh-huh. So I'm not going to go against them in that instance. Wow. Um, I mean, eventually some of these companies that didn't get bought out by Vince, um, would eventually just go over and bottom out anyway, and uh-huh. end up either selling to them because they had no other option left or just folding as a whole. I mean, wow. even eventually when the NWA would transition over to WCW after Ted Turner them out, um, they became this global, uh, company that was, uh, a very big rival to WWF and really pushed, wwf to the brink of almost closing in on itself uh but then they started making terrible business decisions and really just fell out and um actually became such a uh a low funded asset that vince actually went in and bought wcw and made the wwf the big gigantic uh global juggernaut that we know today wow um he took over the he took over it from stateside first and then just started moving everywhere. And that's why, for instance, today you have uh, the NXT brand in the, in the US, the black and gold brand, but you also have an NXT UK. There's going to be an NXT um, in India that they're already working on uh, because of the success of the Saudi Arabia shows. I believe they're even trying to plan out an NXT in Mexico as well. Whoa. Um, So they're really just trying to spread out and really become this big-time global brand. Um, They bought a couple indie promotions that they're kind of keeping them running as their own separate entity, almost as a developmental, because NXT was originally the developmental, but then really kind of became its own thing. And because it has so many indie wrestlers in it from today's standards, it really just started to rise almost as a third brand. So now they have those indie promotions that they bought and
1: made them into kind of the developmentals. Do they have any kind of like NXT in Japan or do you think they'll have one in Japan eventually? Uh, I I wouldn't see a reason why they wouldn't at
0: least try. But the thing is you have... um, you have um new japan pro wrestling and all of japan pro wrestling out there yeah and that's really big in their territories and they've actually had a few spots in the u.s the re one of the reasons why new japan actually came out with their united states title was so that it could be a title that's defended on u.s soil more often than not
1: yeah they're pretty well known i remember um They were mentioned a lot, New uh, Japan Pro Wrestling.
0: New Japan, they were mentioned a lot. They had a working agreement for WCW back in the early 90s, um, and they actually had a little bit of an agreement to an extent in the 80s, I believe, with uh, WWF, and uh, we're trying to get figured out there. Um, But they really kind of blew up in the uh, late 2000s, when you had um, Finn Balor, who's currently the NXT champion, he was in New Japan as Prince Devitt. Mm-hmm. He created a stable known as the Bullet Club, and uh, the Bullet Club blew up huge. It was kind of like his own take on the NWO, in a way. Wow. And um, that was a really big thing. The Bullet Club's actually still around today. Um, and it's had a different transitions of leadership. So originally, so you had Finn Balor, who started it, mm-hmm. and he was the original leader. Then he phased out and eventually moved on to NXT for his first run there. Yeah. Uh, then you had AJ Styles come in, who was well-known in the independent promotion TNA, uh, Total Nonstop Action Wrestling, which is now known as Impact Wrestling. AJ Styles moves in. He becomes the leader of the Bullet Club, and he's running the faction for a long time. Uh, then he phases out, joins WWE, and then you have Kenny Omega come in. And Kenny Omega was kind of running the light heavyweight division when AJ was there. Um, So he they were both members of the Bullet Club at the same time. But then Kenny kind of phased him out. And then they all turned on AJ when AJ was leaving. And then Kenny Omega became the leader. Then you had Cody Rhodes, uh, son of the late great Dusty Rhodes, come in, and there was like a little bit of a fight for power between Cody and Kenny. And then um, they eventually, like, you know, like, wrapped things up and, you know, aligned themselves together again. But then those guys and the Young Bucks, and the Young Bucks are well known for the Bullet Club, and they were there from the very beginning. But um, those four had left and formed the elite. Now they were calling themselves the elite within. Um, the Bullet Club and were calling themselves the Elite of the Bullet Club and then eventually just left the Bullet Club, left New Japan, and actually started up the company, AEW, All Elite Wrestling, um, about two years ago. Um,
1: That's pretty impressive.
0: Yeah, now AEW is kind of viewed as the number two promotion in the world and some may even say the number one Uh, it's a good alternative to wwe Uh um in my personal opinion if they would kind of not reference wwe so much because they keep (laughs) they keep throwing them under the bus and they keep saying oh yeah we're 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 so much better than these guys and then you have like cody breaking the throne um that symbolizes triple h with a sledgehammer that symbolizes triple h and it's like if you guys just went and did your own thing and had your own product like that's going to separate you even more than just saying, "Oh, we're better than these guys." Oh, why do you keep referencing them? Yeah, because uh, mockery is a big form of flattery, if that's you really true. think about it. Yeah, and um, the thing is, they have some of the best talent in the world, and um, another thing is, they keep getting all these former WWE guys and then putting them in main event spots, and it's like, why are you putting all these guys? in main event slots in w or in aew they're like well they didn't get their shot in wwe well there's a reason why they didn't get their shot in wwe because you know they they may be good they may be better than what wwe perceived Mm -hmm. but some of these guys you're pushing is really taking away spots from these indie darlings that really deserve a shot themselves because they had no big global market to really push them like they were over there at mom and pop shows trying to make a name for themselves and now they finally get some TV time, and they're showing what they can do, and they're clicking on all cylinders. But we're going to push this former WWE guy because he didn't get his chance there. Yeah, it's like I- he already had his shot at a global company, and I'm- you know, it's it's one of those things where if he didn't make it there, you know, let him develop his character, give him some TV time. But if you have these other guys who are clicking on all cylinders who never got that exposure at all,
1: yeah.
0: push them. Please push them first. Give them that shot, especially if they're getting the reaction.
1: Well, yeah, especially like if they were in <laughs> WWE, like I'm pretty sure someone around the world or that knows about WWE kind of recognizes that person. So you don't have to like put them in main events in a newer like AEW. You can just put them like in one of those matches, but they'll know, hey, I know Big Show or as he's known now. What is he known as now? Oh yeah, so he went back to his name, Paul White. Okay, right, so like and they'll be like, "Oh, that's Big Show." Well, no, now he's Paul White. Yeah. So, but they still know who that is.
0: Yeah, and it's like you know, you're signing all these former WWE guys, and you're trying to say, "Oh, we're better than WWE," because you keep signing all their all, <laughs> all their former guys. Like <laughs> you know, like I, I know you you had to get your start somewhere, and. You know, That's I know they had their chance in the sun. Yeah. Um, I mean, but you look at like the first three champions of AEW. Number one was Chris Jericho, you know, which he was, to me, he was the right choice to be their first champion because he was the biggest name that they had. Uh-huh. And he was going to go there to kind of set a standard for them. And he is one of the most professional wrestlers out there. Yeah. He was one of the best at what he does. Without a doubt. Even to this day, yeah. like even though out. he's rocking the dad bod, he could still go <laughs> without a doubt. Like he, he, he wrestles like somebody half his age and it's, it's pretty uh, amazing to see their second champion was John Moxley, uh, formerly known as Dean Ambrose. When he was with WWE, he was a former WWE champion. Again, somebody who I feel was right because you want to have that name recognition for them. And you want to have somebody who, um, who people are going to know and he's killing it. John Moxley. He's one of my favorites. He was one of my favorites when he was Dean Ambrose. And to me, he's kind of, in a way, the same character, but he could kind of be himself. Like he's not as restricted in mm-hmm. AEW, which is a great thing. Like they're really showing off the you know you don't have that restriction here in AEW, and they're really showing it off. Uh, then their third champions Kenny Omega, who didn't really get a fair shot in WWE. He was part of uh, OVW, but that was about it. Then he left the company. He made a name for himself in New Japan. Blew up there. Was a big primetime talent there. Uh, then you know had a few matches in Ring of Honor who's another um kind of bigger independent promotion as well uh-huh. who has a very good working relationship with New Japan and you know he had a good stint uh I shouldn't say stint but a good few matches in Ring of Honor other uh, then helps jumpstart AEW and then um you know if, in my opinion their first three choices of champions were great um I feel like Kenny's been the best choice so far because He was the heavyweight champion in New Japan, but all elite, you know, in terms of the U.S. uh, branding, you know, he's going to get a little bit more exposure with that. But he still has a working relationship with New Japan because AEW is really about, like, we're kind of going to get back to working with other promotions. Like, we want to be a great promotion. We don't want to be necessarily number one. We want to be able
1: to work with everybody. So you think that they want to do kind of like a, Bring back the old territorial kind of days. In a way. In a way. In a way, they want
0: to do what's best for business. They want to keep wrestling around as a whole.
1: I think that would work best.
0: And I know WWE specifically, Triple H, has talked about WWE wanting to do more working with other companies as well. Uh And AEW could sit there and say like, oh, they're ripping us off with that. But it's like, eh, you know, if it's what's best for business, you know, like honestly, if they had a show where it was AEW versus WWE, that would tear the house down because those two have the biggest talents in the world.
1: Okay. Yeah, because I've been out of the wrestling stuff for a while now. So I haven't been, I know that uh, when I was watching wrestling, TNA was, like, the next best thing, and they had, uh, I forgot who, they had Sting, and they had, uh, they went, I think they had Abyss and Samoa Joe, so those were the ones that were kind of like the big draws in there, maybe there was more, but from my, when I was in middle school and I was talking to my friends about wrestling, they said Samoa Joe, they said Abyss and uh, Sting, those were the names that were brought up. And I was like, oh, I never heard about those guys. And it wasn't until later I figured out that, whoa, Sting's been in the WCW before, but he just didn't go to WWE. So it's been like, I don't know, now hearing about TNA, uh, not TNA, um, AEW being number two is kind of interesting. And the way that you talk about AEW trying to bring that territorial days back, that sounds pretty interesting. It'd be kind of cool to bring that back.
0: Yeah, because for a while there, um, when you were talking about TNA having Sting, TNA became a very good number two. They, in their minds at the time, wanted to become the number one, uh-huh. but they weren't really able to. So, where we're talking about AEW signing over WWE talent, TNA was doing that back in the day, uh, or I shouldn't say back in the day, but early 2000s. You had Kurt Angle going over there. You had um, Scott Steiner, Booker T, Kevin Nash, uh, eventually forming the main event mafia over there. Mm-hmm. But uh, Sting would go over there because he didn't trust. Uh, he basically didn't trust Vince to do right by the Sting character because the Sting was the icon of WCW. Um, Sting would eventually show up in WWE in uh, 2014 at Survivor Series, and then he would have a um, he would have a match with Triple H at WrestleMania. And um, of course, WWE would go over. Um, that match still is pretty cool, though, to this day, even to watch back and see it, because you had DX come out in support of Triple H with um, Badass Billy Gunn and Road Dog Jesse James and X Pac come out. Uh, then in support of Sting, you had the NWO, even though Sting was against NWO most of his time there until he joined the Wolfpack. Bead Hogan um hall and nash come out in support of him so that was something that was actually really cool to see so you had nwo against dx um was that wrestlemania which one's the one that was that uh, was the wrestlemania that was actually at levi stadium here that's in the what Bay Area. i was going say yeah so that was one that uh my mom had actually said hey you want to go to wrestlemania this year because tickets were actually pretty inexpensive uh-huh and she was even like offering to pay and i'm like no i'm good and you know it's like fuck i should have (laughs) went because i didn't know the nwo was gonna show up oh man (laughs) um you know that's something that i ended up missing out on but um at the end of the day you know it is what it is yeah um but yeah going back to tna doing that like i didn't know like uh because um I didn't know Kurt Angle had jumped over to there from WWE and uh, become a big guy, but that was something they were doing, and they eventually became a very good number two company. They never really had enough momentum to jump over WWE to become that number one like AEW potentially has Uh um, or WCW potentially had, but they were always a very good number two. They were a good alternative, Um, but they also featured guys like AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, and who grew in that promotion, and Austin Aries who grew in that promotion and really became household names who would then go on to WWE and have big success. Um, Samoa Joe, unfortunately, not so much on the main roster aside from his commentary, which he's great, but uh, Samoa Joe really made more of a name for himself in NXT, especially with his feud with Finn Balor. Um, AJ Styles basically walked right into WWE and took hold of it and just grabbed it grabbed it by the brass ring and just took over there became a two-time champion a two-time u.s champion uh he's been an intercontinental champion so he's a triple count champion he only needs that tag team to become a grand slam guy um i and he had that one podcast or a show with steve austin didn't he he had that episode of uh steve steve austin's podcast that was on the network Mm. where he was talking about it and um he goes into uh why
1: he didn't join WWE and all that other
0: stuff? Yeah, because he felt like he he needed to prove himself more. He had um, only been in wrestling for so long. Um, he was offered a developmental deal, but he wanted to. He really wanted to work his way up. And um, actually, when he got his first title, uh, when he went and hugged Vince at the end after the match, and Vince said, "I wish I would have had you ten years ago." Vince is like very high on him, which is strange because Vince nine times out of ten doesn't like little guys. And AJ Styles is a little guy,
1: but he's damn good. There's a reason why he's called the phenomenal one. Well, yeah. Even the, the few matches I've watched of AJ Styles, I've been impressed by them. I've been like, "Whoa, these matches are really good!" Like, I, I, I get attracted, I get drawn into the matches because he's that good. He has so much things he does. He's so athletic. He does like these flips. He does all these things that. You the know. fact that he
0: had the the had the can- handicap match against Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens catapulted him into Sami Zayn and he turns it into a Hurricane Rana. Mm-hmm. Like, that's unreal. So, Hurricane Rana is a double heel scissor where you grab, basically with your calves, your opponent on the sides of their head. And then you, like, do a backflip to get them to flip over. Yeah. And um, that's- he was catapulted into the other guy to pull
1: off that maneuver. To pull that yeah, so, I mean, the... This- I, the stuff I've watched with him, I watched, I think, the match versus uh, Shane McMahon. Yeah. That that match is pretty good, too. All the maneuvers, Yeah, making Shane actually look good, even though Shane on his own. Shane
0: is, actually isn't that bad of a yeah.
1: competitor. The fact that he
0: always goes balls to the wall, yeah. no matter what situation that he's in. Um, and he even does the coast-to-coast, coast, which is going from one turnbuckle to the other. Yeah. Um, when you have your opponent set down in the bottom corner of the ring,
1: yeah,
0: um, the turnbuckle being the but corner. But yeah, AJ of Styles ring. and and Finn Balor, who, who like I referenced before is the current NXT champion.
1: He's uh, those two are probably my two favorites in WWE right now. I think if I was into WWE right now, I, those would be my favorites too, uh, Finn Balor and uh, AJ Styles. Just um, but maybe if I watch more wrestling, I mean, I've I only watched wrestling for. Two or three years back in the day. Well, back in the day, what
0: what time frame did you uh, did you watch wrestling? Who would you say was maybe not your favorites, but ones who stuck out to you? Uh, because you know, with you not watching it for a whole long time, favorites is kind of hard to hard to assign. But who were who were some superstars who stuck out to you at that time that you were watching?
1: Yeah, definitely pretty hard to just say which ones are my favorite. But I did watch it uh, wrestling right after wrestlemania 19 so i watched it between wrestlemania that the day after wrestlemania 19 and the day uh eddie guerrero passed away though that was the time frame i watched it which i think is two or three years maybe maybe more i kind of forget how many years passed but i was really uh, heavily invested into wrestling within that time period where i watched smackdown and raw every week I, I was following up with all of those storylines i I watched and I still remember most of the storylines you know uh, the first one I watched, which was Kane uh, doing buried alive with Undertaker. He buried alive his own brother and that was Undertaker within his bad uh, American badass kind of character. He buried that and then after that it was you know Undertaker coming back to his dead man phase, the return of the dead man as they recall it. So he came back. And so between the, those storylines, the ones I watched, and all those wrestlers between those two or three or four years, however many years it was, those were my favorite wrestlers. Even though there's like the ones that stick out the most being Undertaker, which you know why, man. He's like such an he's amazing, phenom. Yeah, he's such an amazing wrestler. Uh Eddie Guerrero being my personal favorite. Latino um, Heat. I <laughs> know. <laughs> uh, I have a poster of him. You gave me a shirt of him. You gave me a freaking a. Uh, a figure of him i mean i loved that guy to death and after he died i i kind of stopped watching it because it, it wrestling became a little too real for me because i even yeah i understood that wrestling was it checks fake. it back to reality when something like that happens yeah so i mean i understood wrestling was a little bit fake but sometimes i took it as real because some of the storylines were so well written that they actually pulled emotions out of you
0: well that's the thing like um You know, to me, that's pro wrestling doing its job if it pulls emotions out of you. Because you know, there's times where I'm told to this day where people are like, "You know, that stuff's fake, right? You know, that's not real." And it just in my head, I'm like, "Well, no shit. (laughs) I know this is it's sports entertainment. It's not sports." Vince McMahon clearly labeled it as sports entertainment so that he wouldn't actually be getting charged uh, fees that sports teams would get charged to be held in venues. Uh-huh. So, he labeled it as sports entertainment. Uh, it entertains me. It's
1: doing its job. Exactly, yeah. And that's what it did for me and my, uh, you know, whatever the time frame was that I watched it. It was really entertainment. It was I mean, when Eddie betrayed Rey Mysterio in that time frame when he was facing off with uh Rey Mysterio for Dominic's custody <laughs> which was kind of a weird storyline. Oh, it's so weird, especially when you see Dominic Mysterio wrestling now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really weird storyline. But it, it got you so I mean it, it convinced you it was real. And when Eddie Guerrero betrayed Rey Mysterio, I I mean I I'm afraid to admit it, but I did cry. I mean, I was—I remember watching it at my dad's house. And my dad had to drop me off back at uh, my mom's house. But I was crying on the way back home. Because I was like, I couldn't believe Eddie Guerrero betrayed Rey Mysterio and beat the crap out of him. And, like, he beat him so bad that Rey Mysterio's mask busted open. And you could almost see his face. And I was like, this sucks. But, I mean, I knew it was wrestling entertainment. I mean, it was fake up to a certain point. There was no way that this guy got beat up so bad that... He's still alive walking the next day. Yeah. But it wasn't until Eddie Guerrero died that I was like, yeah, there's a certain realism to this that kind of sucks. And after that, I don't know, maybe after Eddie died, I couldn't really watch it. I, I didn't want to be so attached to someone, yeah. or to a wrestler or a entertainer
0: yeah to of point yeah that. you and you and i check out pay-per-views from time to time you know if there's one yeah. coming up i think you might be interested like we watched this year's royal rumble which yeah. is actually the rumble itself was amazing <laughs> oh i always love royal so Rumbles. So damn good yeah i always love um, royal rumbles and then uh you know we went to uh Sac anime and caught a couple indie shows which was really cool. When we saw Shotzi before she. We went. saw Shotzi Blackheart before she uh, got signed to NXT, and it was amazing, and you fell in love with her right yeah. on the spot. So, Shotzi, if you're listening, uh, Brian's <laughs> phone number is 510. No, hey. <laughs> hey!
1: you can't put that out there.
0: <laughs> uh, um,. But uh, yeah, no, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty interesting because the time frame in which you were watching was kind of when I was phasing out a little bit, oh, um, which may be hard to believe for uh, people who know me how I am now, how much I Especially- watch, listen, collect.
1: Yeah, especially um, since you have so many freaking figures in your room.
0: Yeah, I actually have 87 uh, wrestling figures currently in my room. Um, I also have some on pre-order that are not here yet, so <laughs> I'm not going to disclose the exact amount.
1: Yeah, but so it's kind of hard for me to believe that you actually had a, a phase where you kind of didn't watch wrestling. Yeah, so when I was a kid,
0: um, so I mean, uh, well, my top three, or actually my top five, I'll say wrestlers of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is Hogan. Two is Ultimate Warrior. Three is Sting. Four is Stone Cold Steve Austin. Five is Edge.
1: And you Those know are my top five. You know what sucks is that I missed out on, on Stone Cold Steve Austin.
0: Yeah, so I got in with the Monday Night Wars. Uh-huh. That's when I was a fan. I started off very young. Um, and Then there's a there's an indie promotion known as APW that was. um, I don't know if with the pandemic going, if they still have stuff going, but I know um, that they were going a couple of years. Cody Rhodes actually wrestled a few matches. He actually wrestled Kurt Angle in a steel cage match uh, when Kurt Angle was doing his indie farewell run before he joined back with WWE. Uh-huh. Um, so APW, um, all pro wrestling. My grandfather actually worked with a couple people who wrestled for that promotion, uh, Michael Modis and Donovan Morgan. And I believe Christopher Daniels was actually at one of the shows I went because I remember a fallen angel character and Christopher Daniels is known as the fallen angel.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, so I would go to those shows as a little kid and they would, after the end of the show, yeah, you want to come in the ring? And then they would have me like, you know, take, take some uh, bumps on the ropes and, you know, have me, they would put me on the, the second rope. They wouldn't put me on the third. Cause I was, I was far too young uh-huh. taught me how to do like a double ax handle maneuver. And, um, You know, would just let me go in there on the ring. And then they would put me on the third if they were holding on to me, just to see, like, how's the height up there? And that was something that, you know, I'll always remember. Um, So, from you would say from a young age? From a very young age, I got into it um, Uh because of, I would want to say more so because of my grandpa. Uh, Then my dad was, my dad would sit there and watch it with me. Like, my grandpa got me into it Uh because of his connections, because he thought that's something I would like. Uh, Then my dad just kind of continued that. My dad would sit there and watch the pay-per-views with me, and um, we watched like all the pay-per-views. I was a big for a little bit, so I flipped. I was originally probably more a WCW fan, Uh and then I became more of a WWF fan, and then I stayed with that until I got a little out of it. So I was a big-time fan of the NWO. Um, Hollywood Hulk Hogan was my guy. And, um, I had a lot of different figures. I had like Ric Flair. I had Scott Steiner, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall. I had both black and white sting and red and black sting. Um, I actually never had surfer sting until I got older. And that's one of the main reasons why I was glad I got surfer sting when he had, uh, the beach blonde hair and had the, um, had the vibrant color face paint on him. Yeah. Um, but I was big wcw i had a lot of different shirts i had um nwo hollywood where it had all the different members on the shirt i had nwo wolfpack where again all the different members i had um the split face or the two-face sting sweater where it had black and white and red and black i had um a goldberg shirt because goldberg when he showed up and he had the whole who's next and went on the streak and would hit the spear you know people would you spear people out of their boots and you know, the crowd would <laughs> pop every time for him, And it was amazing just to see that. And you see this guy, he's just a freaking nature at the time and just built like a freaking tank. And you couldn't believe that this guy would just go in and just knock him out. Like it was nothing. And, um, he had two or three moves, but they were two or the, there were two or three devastating moves that you knew as soon as he hit any of the three, it was done.
1: Yeah. Like when I, when I was watching wrestling, uh, it was the it was a bit before WrestleMania 20, so it was right after WrestleMania 19. But that year before WrestleMania 20, he was becoming a big thing again because he was going to face Brock Lesnar. And even though I had never heard about Goldberg, um I was like, man, this guy's pretty cool. Like, I want to watch this guy in a match. He the way he was giving those promos, the way he was like, who's he was? I think he was saying who's next, also. Oh, he always, that was, that's always his catchphrase. Who's next? Yeah. So I think he was like uh, wrestling in Raw, maybe. And because when I started, I was only watching uh, SmackDown. Eventually, Raw, uh, I I was able to watch Raw on, I think, the USA or Spike Network. I don't remember which channel it was on. But eventually, I was able to watch Raw. And I, I got so addicted to wrestling after that for those like that small time that i was watching it and goldberg was like man this guy is cool that that guy along with undertaker and hulk hogan who was back in the day mr america those were like the three kind of like, kind of like the main ones that kind of like uh, i was drawn to and i was like man these guys were these guys were like the best wrestler yeah
0: yeah no when i when i saw goldberg it was it was amazing and then he beat he beat hogan um on an episode of nitro on monday oh. night nitro and Dang. um that was a big deal because it was on free tv basically and when that happened like that's how much of a goldberg fan i was is like i was okay with him beating hogan because uh-huh. hogan was my favorite and i never wanted him to lose but it's like oh, i really like goldberg too so i'm really i'm like you know whoever wins this match i'll be happy basically
1: but was that hogan like hulk hogan or was that Holly- it was hollywood hogan hollywood yeah
0: because okay. i mean basically from he was Hollywood Hogan almost till the end of WCW. He had a couple times where he'd put back on the red and yellow,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, but for the majority of the time, once he turned heel, he stayed that way.
1: Now, was that because of legal things, or was that just because he just wanted a new character?
0: So, when he came over to WCW, he was, um, you know, he, he had a different view of wrestling, it was Southern wrestling. Uh-huh. there so you know the big old cartoon characters that wwf was coming out with at the time uh-huh. that wasn't going to fly in wcw so when he came out he kind of ran his time of say your prayers eat your vitamins and people started booing him he'd come out and people would boo him and then uh-huh. they had uh scott hall and kevin nash come out and they had this big three-on-three match plan for bash at the beach mm-hmm. and it was against macho man sting and lex luger and so then They said there's going to be a third man. Then Hogan comes out eventually, and people start cheering him. They're like, oh, Hogan's out. Hogan's going to save the day. He's going to whip these guys into shape. Mm -hmm. Hogan then hits the ropes and then drops the leg on Macho Man, and it's like, he's the third guy. He's the third guy. And um, they wanted it to be three guys who were former WWF guys because they were the outsiders of the area. Yeah. Uh, then a little little fun fact tidbit is if Hogan didn't cause Hogan didn't decide until the day of that he was actually going to go ahead and go through and do it. And even Eric Bischoff, who was running WCW at the time, didn't know Hogan was going to fully commit. And they actually had a backup plan that if Hogan didn't commit, Sting was going to become the third guy. And uh-huh. Sting was going to be the one to turn heel and become a member of the NWO. Whether or not he was going to be the leader, kinda hard to say. Um. But she
1: eventually did
0: join the NWO. He ended up joining the NWO Wolfpack, which was actually viewed more as uh, the babyface version of it because they had a rip in it where Kevin Nash was kind of becoming a little bit more having a little bit more babyface tendencies. He was kind of uh, butting heads with Hulk Hogan, uh, okay. so Hogan became the leader of NWO Hollywood. And then uh, Kevin Nash became the leader of NWO Wolfpack, and that's when Sting joined and had the red and black face paint. He also started talking more. And um, became a little bit more reminiscent of, like, the Surfer Sting character in terms of being a little bit more out there.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Uh, But, yeah, so I was a big fan of that. And then all of a sudden, we turn on Monday Night Raw, and I see Stone Cold Steve Austin. He gives Vince McMahon a a Stone Cold stunner and just starts giving him the bird. (laughs) And uh, that was it classic that was it i was hooked classic i was done stone with wcw cold.
1: yeah classic stone i was cold. hooked
0: on on wwf and then i started getting the figures and um you know i had gotten the ring and then there's actually a pretty funny story about with uh with the early figures that i had i had a figure of gold dust and he came with his wife at the time marlena and gold dust had a wig that you could take on and off so i would have him walk into the ring with it then take it off when you go in and wrestle uh-huh then marlena my dad was convinced oh her hair comes off too (laughs) and he would sit there and he kept trying to take it off. he goes no it does but it's just the way the molding was onto the head it was glued on yeah obviously and he ends up popping her head off (laughs) he felt (laughs) terrible about it so he tries to glue it back together yeah the glue wasn't taking so it just uh it was just a headless figure and he felt (laughs) bad so he takes me to target or toys r us uh and He's like, you know, pick out a new wrestling figure. I'm, I'm replacing the one that I broke. Yeah. So I ended up getting an Undertaker figure, and I was – Stoked because it's like, yeah, hey, when, when, when was I going to play with Marlena anyway? Like, yeah, it's the
1: Undertaker, it's,
0: and then you know, I got an Undertaker figure out of yeah. it, so I was happy. I, I didn't care. I didn't even care that he popped the head off. I wasn't sad. <laughs> um, but you know, hats off to my dad for feeling bad and making good on it. <laughs> Get me a figure of somebody who I actually really liked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I beat the hell out of that ring. I remember that ring ended up having a big crack along it because I would just play, like that. Those were my most played with toys for probably three three or four years and i had stone cold i had the rock i had uh kane and the undertaker gold dust uh, i had hollywood hogan i had sting nash but i would actually have like wwf against wcw um, i had rick flair um and then a funny thing is uh when we're talking about kayfabe of like heels and baby faces i hated rick flair when he was a wrestler when he was active uh, yeah. especially in wcw because there was a match where um where in real life uh, Hulk Hogan was getting ready to get surgery for his legs because um, after years of doing it you, your body just gets fucked up. That's just no way about no no way of avoiding it. Yeah. And um, so Flair was giving him like the figure four on the on the post on the ring post so it was really like messing up his legs and then eventually he has to get card out of the match. He was in a fatal four way which had Ric Flair, Diamond Dallas page. Hulk Hogan and Sting. And Macho Man Randy Savage came back after being away for like a year and a half as a special guest referee, came with a new look. And uh, I distinctly remember that. It was on a pay-per-view. And um, I don't think it was on Starcade, but I can't remember the exact pay-per-view, but I remember a lot of the details in it. And I just remember that happening. And then Hogan just gets taken out of the match, and I'm like, I go to my room crying. I grab my Ric Flair figure and I throw it. Hey, Ric Flair! I never want, I never want to see him again. I hope he gets hurt. And he can't wrestle anymore. And so, like how my dad sees me now, like being a huge fan of Ric Flair uh-huh. with the nostalgia sense, and you know, I got a Ric Flair shirt and I got a Ric Flair figure. And um, you know, whenever he's on like Raw or on a pay per view or SmackDown, I'm like, "Hey, yeah, it's Rick Fea, Nature Boy!" Woo! Really get behind him. He's like, "Man, I remember when you hated
1: him and you hurt Hogan. You ran to your room crying." <laughs> <laughs> like I was like, I was like eight years old. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> probably younger. That that's I mean, when when Eddie Guerrero betrayed Rey Mysterio, I was like, I can't believe it. I was like crying. I, I thought it was real. Yeah. Eventually, it kind of gets to you that eventually it
0: bleeds through the lines and you and you discover what it is but again you know with it being sports entertainment it entertains me but it it
1: did its job like you said
0: uh you know there was like a a phase where i just started getting out of it you know around the time i was probably like i want to say like maybe 12 years old i started getting more into sports I started playing baseball and uh you know i was playing flag football at school and things like that and um wrestling just wasn't as important to me you know i kind of phased out of it and um, I think my mom ended up giving uh, my figures away to, like, a family friend or something, like, a day I wasn't home. Like, I was either at somebody else's house or something. And um, I, just, I come back home, and she's like, oh, yeah. I was like, mom, where's, where's my wrestling figures? <laughs> she's like, oh, I got rid of them. I gave them away to so-and-so.
1: Damn. Are,
0: are you kidding me? So then that kind of didn't help. But then I was outgrowing all the wrestling shirts I had. So it's like when that stuff's not around you, it's not. I guess has important especially when you're a kid you know you get into other things. So there's um there was a while until um probably probably early high school when I just I would if it was on I would like kind of catch it and then you know I'd see like Edge and Christian and you know I'd see The Godfather and um actually The Godfather I remember for the attitude era but um I would see like Edge and Christian, The Hardy Boys, The mm-hmm. Dudleys, um, just kind of watch from that. And then, um, you know, a little bit of ruthless aggression I'd see here and there. Um, but when would you say that you became a fan once again? So honestly, when I became... Because it would be like a big toe uh-huh. in the pool was what I would do in those years. I wasn't really into it. And then, I don't know what... Ha- I think I would just like... I followed WWE on Instagram or there was a wrestler. I followed on Instagram Uh and um, then all of a sudden you see Goldberg's coming back to raw one night and I'm like, huh? Okay. I'll check this out. And I believe that was 2016 that that happened. Okay. So then he comes out and he starts talking about Brock Lesnar and I'm all like, okay let's see what that's about so then the next week they're all like brock lesnar's gonna be on raw and i'm like i remember brock lesnar and i was i'm gonna watch that and then he comes out and basically challenges goldberg then goldberg comes out and accepts the challenge and then Uh it has this build-up to survivor series and um
1: but meanwhile you were watching the rest of the shows right
0: i was watching I was watching raw and SmackDown. And then I saw you could get a 30 day free trial to WWE network. And I'm like, you know what? I used to really be into this as a kid. Like this was my favorite. Like when I was from the time I was five till probably 11 or 12, Uh I wanted to be like, I wanted to be a pro wrestler. Like that's what I wanted to be in life. And I'm like, I was really into it. So why don't I just check out this network just to see what it's about. And I started watching all this old stuff I had watched. Then I started watching some new stuff and then also there was when um, Netflix actually had the rights to some of the documentaries. Uh-huh. So then they had like Edge's documentary when he retired. And I'm like, Edge, I remember him. Like, he, like why does he have a documentary? And I watched it. And I didn't even know he had retired. That's how much I kind of gotten out of it. And I was like, man, this guy was one of my favorites, actually. And to see that, and then I watched the one on Randy Orton and then the one on Batista. Then they had Hulk Hogan's uh, ultimate anthology on netflix and i watched that and i was like man you know this is really bringing me back in then you know getting the network and watching that and then deciding to keep it to watch survivor series and i asked my dad i'm like hey you want to watch this with me because you know goldberg's going to be on it and he's like yeah why not and so we watched it and it was like a minute 30 second long match you know which is a goldberg match (laughs) and um you know that kind of got me back in like full tilt Uh, Then I just started watching it like on a weekly basis. I mean, now I don't really watch it as much on a weekly basis. I probably watch more NXT than anything else. But um, Goldberg coming back really got me back into it because he was one of my absolute favorites as a kid.
1: Now, the thing is that seeing how much knowledge you have about wrestling and all that stuff, I would never guess that there was a period where you were not a fan.
0: I mean, the thing is, I gained a lot of the knowledge I have as a kid. Uh huh. Um, the one thing I kind of really pride myself on is holding on to bits of information. Granted, they're useless information. This is probably <laughs> going to get me nowhere in life knowing these things, but you never know. When I get into something, I go all in. You never know. And uh, then with the pandemic happening, um, like the year before for Christmas, my dad had gotten me. A couple figures. My sister had gotten me a couple figures, and that kind of started the collection. And then um, I started listening to the podcast, the Major Wrestling Figure Podcast, where they start. It, it's about wrestling figures. Shout out to them. Shout the out, out to them. And then <laughs> one of their sponsors is Ringside Collectibles, and I'm like, let me check this out. And then you see all these figures that they have, and then they would have some really cheap. And um, the podcast would give you like a 10% coupon, basically. So I just went on this big old freaking. Binge of just buying up figures, uh, through that, through eBay, through macari um, and then with the pandemic, I wasn't really spending money going out or anything like that. So I would kind of spend a little <laughs> bit more on figures that I wouldn't re- like. I would kind of hold myself like, no, if a figure's this much, I'll get it, but if it's this much, I won't. Then I started going into the ones that were a little bit higher end,
1: uh-huh.
0: um. Like, for instance, uh, Hogan, he's my favorite, so I wanted to make sure I got one kind of from each era. Like, I have one that's kind of more so from the AWA era he was in. Then I got one from when Hulkamania was running wild from WrestleMania three when he faced Andre. Then I got one when he was, like, undisputed champion for his last run after he beat Triple H. Then I made sure when Mattel came out with the Ultimate Series, NWO, Hollywood Hogan, to get that one. Like, I kept saying, the day that that's available for pre-order, I'm getting it, and I did. First day it was available, just went on
1: ringside and bought it. Yeah. Um, so, like, you see, like, anyone that saw your, I mean, probably the listeners don't know, but you have a whole freaking wall filled of collectibles. They would think that you've been a lifelong fan of wrestling, that you've never taken a break. But for me, it's, like, a shock that you did have a break between, like, a certain time where you didn't watch wrestling.
0: Yeah, the fact that I have 87 figures that we <laughs> counted before we started <laughs> recording, uh, then I have... Multiples on pre order that I'm waiting on. I have 20 pop figures. I have uh, five miscellaneous figures that are neither pops or regular action figures. I have over twenty shirts. I have uh, one title belt. <laughs> I have an Ultimate Warrior uh, belt to hold up my pants.
1: <laughs> uh, that,
0: that title belt, which I helped pick. Yeah, you you did help out with that. <laughs> shout out to my sister and brother in law for getting me that title belt. By the way, shout out to um, them for
1: calling me. And I was, I didn't know who the hell they were, and I was like, who is this calling?
0: <laughs> and then I have a few of the games, and. Um, you know, it's something that, because um, nostalgia is a really big thing for me, mm-hmm. um, Yeah, but like me. wrestling, I don't know, just the fact that watching it today, it, it hits differently today than it did back then. Like back then, it was something that blew my mind. It was something that was over the top. It was something that was larger than life. And then watching it today and meeting a few of them, it's all like, ah, eh, you know, if I really would have like buckled down and you know really just set my mind to it, this is something I possibly could could have gotten into, even on just like an independent level, um, that would have been interesting or cool to do. But uh, it's something that now I look at and I appreciate the athleticism behind it. Uh, some of the storytelling has been pretty darn good, but some of the storytelling has also been kind of bad where i'm just all like uh oh, you know it's it's not what it used to be but at least they're kicking ass in the ring
1: yeah <laughs> and I mean, then
0: you have nostalgia feel of some guys coming back like goldberg coming back that was yep. a huge deal And uh, then edge being told he was never gonna wrestle again and then after nine years showing up at last year's royal rumble like you know i it it's something that like and you know, winning this puts- year's royal rumble putting winning this year's world number from the number one spot and then Christian coming back and he was pretty much told he was never going to wrestle again and he looked he looked fantastic yeah and I was really hoping it was going to be between edge and Christian <laughs> yeah. but, like when edge came back like that puts that pit in your stomach of like feeling like man you know because you know like how big he's into the wrestling industry and being told you're never like being taken out of the game that's not on his terms like you knew that ate ate away at him and then to be able to come back and and show up after nine years and not miss a step is amazing
1: that is amazing and then
0: for christian to come back after about six years and not miss a step it's amazing and, yeah
1: and i was i mean that, you know, that that was that's just
0: something that it's it's just bewildering and it's it's amazing to see and it's um you know that's why wrestling is something that's kind of near and dear to my heart because it's something that i was a fan of as a kid it's something that I kind of fell away from, but then found my way back into becoming a fan about it again. Yeah. And, um, it's something that, you know, when I hang out with you or other friends, you know, like you guys have kind of all been, I don't want to say into it with me because it's a different perspective, mm-hmm. but you all are like, Hey, you know, Hey, you- yeah i'll come over and watch the pay-per-view and i i feel like i've kind of gotten you guys into it a little bit more well yeah a little bit more interested and i don't know if it's because of my excitement it's a little <laughs> bit contagious or what
1: but it might, um, it might be that but i mean also for me it was because uh wrestling it's one of those i'm not a fan of a lot of things but wrestling was one of those things that took up my life for a couple of years and being so drawn into it being so invested into it and I mean, that that whole thing about realism dropping into it when th- it is possible for these characters that are larger in life passing away, especially when you're so drawn to them. You're so like, man, this guy's like my hero and he's, you know, he dies and it kind of sucks. It really does suck. For me, it sucked a lot. It sucked to the point where I'd stopped watching it for a long time and it wasn't until you got me back into it that I'm like, okay, well, I can get back into it and you know enjoy it for what it is well not- it's like well it's like
0: another thing for me that kind of kind of contributed to taking me out of it was the, the big thing the big catastrophe that happened with chris benoit oh yeah um the,
1: that, that's another the, thing the big that- time
0: story where it was a murder suicide yeah and you wanted to believe all of the conspiracy theories that it wasn't him Mm-hmm. because he was one of my favorite one of my absolute favorites like when when I play wrestling he was one of the people I wanted to portray was mm-hmm. being Chris Benoit and he was one of the best technicians in the ring and you know a lot of people spoke highly of him outside of the ring exactly man. and uh you know it's one of those things where events of wrestling contributed to that um you know with his multiple concussions and having the brain of somebody who's like eighty some odd years old was Alzheimer's.
1: And it wasn't until that one uh what was it, that wrestling documentary or, or uh, Oh Dark Side of the Ring. Dark Side of the Ring. When I watched that episode, it really convinced me. It kinda like sunk in and it kinda that, like that this happened. That
0: this happened. And that kinda took me away from it because it's all like, man, you know, this is somebody who I admired like yep. big time and something like this happened. And, and he was capable of doing it that he was capable of doing that and um it just it made it really hard to continue to be a fan of something when something like that had happened yeah and you know it's you can still look at it at a point of appreciate the body of work that he accomplished inside the ring i do not condone with what he did mm-hmm. um i'm in no way of support of what he had done um but what he did was so and what he and you could sit there and say like oh what he did you know was from what had happened to him but it it does still doesn't make what he did right yeah and it's extremely unfortunate because you know there's uh his wife was in wcws for years as woman she was like a manager she was one of the pioneering managers of the 90s where she would be cutting promos and she was a big deal for women within the industry and that's somebody who's gone and she had stepped away from the limelight years before that yeah now then his young son you know it's just something something that was very unfortunate
1: yeah people i mean people should really watch uh dark side of the ring
0: yeah if you ever get the opportunity to watch that because it gives insight on that
1: yeah it really changes your mind a bit gives you kind of like a deeper insight for yeah. me watching that one and an eddie guerrero episode it was just heartbreaking yeah for me it was just like the most heartbreaking thing ever i mean i i got teary-eyed i i didn't i was in shock watching that but i was just as, as in shock as i was when i logged into wwe in the morning of the day that eddie guerrero died it was really shocking and it kind of like yeah, again. I remember hearing it because that was, again, a period
0: I wasn't really too much in on. And then uh-huh. I heard he had died, and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember watching him in WCW, and that's when I was a huge fan of his. was when <laughs> yeah. he was competing in the Cru- he had Cruiserweight Classics with Dean Malenko and with, uh, with Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio, yeah, which is another great wrestler. And then when you talk about um, Rey Mysterio getting his mask nearly ripped off, I remember in WCW when he actually wrestled without his mask. Yeah. <laughs> Which I didn't know of. And he beat Kevin Nash. And I remember watching that night because uh, Kevin Nash went to set him up for a power bomb. And then he starts hitting him. And then Kevin Nash falls back and then kicks his leg up. And then Ray grabs his leg and gets the one, two, three count. And I was watching <laughs> with my sister. And my sister was a huge Kevin Nash fan. And I was a big Ray Mysterio fan. Oh, i like, ah, he won. I was all rubbing it in her face. And she uh, she was pissed. She,
1: she went to her room and was like, I'm not talking to you for a week, you little <laughs> asshole but yeah it's just it's one of those things like where well, wrestling achieves its purpose which is wrestling uh, sports entertainment but then there's those things that kind of like drop you into reality and it's it, like in
0: a way though it kind of helped uh on my end it kind of helped me grow up a little bit because you know it's like okay you know this that's a step in maturity is realizing you know things like that happen yeah. and people do pass mm-hmm. and not everybody's going to be here forever so well, well, you know from, there's that as well for, to look for at me
1: it. it was like uh appreciating what they do a little bit more i mean i don't see it as it being real putting their bodies on the line and then too as you get older you watch
0: a lot more documentaries you watch a lot more behind the scenes stuff yeah you know back in the day they were on the road 350 days a year Mm -hmm. barely saw their family a lot of broken homes happened out of wrestling then you see today there's a lot more standards and practices put in place there get to be at home a lot more frequently especially with the pandemic going on because you fly in for tv you do your wrestling and then you fly back home and you're there with your family Mm -hmm. and they make sure to try and promote better family living uh, then uh, you know they have wellness policies in effect so you know they're not having people who are hooked on drugs or any type of medication that they don't need to be on uh, then you have um, concussion protocol uh, for instance uh, a couple years ago when Kofi mania started running wild and Kofi got his big break and actually got to main event and win the title at WrestleMania that happened because Mustafa Ali was going to kind of get that push was he going to be champion i don't necessarily know but he had gotten a concussion and because of what happened with chris benoit they're like no we're not taking it's a zero it's a zero tolerance policy when it comes to concussions like if you have a concussion we have to keep reevaluating you until we can clear you to come back and do it and you know like with um christian not being able to come back for so many years was because he was having issues with concussions. And again, you know, we can't clear you. You know, we have to keep giving you these tests, and if you don't pass these tests, you're not wrestling. Daniel Bryant had, was forced to retire for a few years
1: because of that same issue. Which I think is a good call, because unless you have a concussion, you, man, concussions suck Oh, absolutely.
0: You have issues in the NFL with players blowing their brains out because of concussions, because of brain swelling. Yeah. And it, That's a full-on contact sport. Wrestling, you could some... You could control that to an extent, especially Uh with so many band moves happening now. Yeah, I mean accidents are going to happen. That's just the
1: way it is. Yeah, but I mean it's it's a good protocol. I think it's a good protocol just to avoid these like um, tragedies from happening. You know, it kind of it sucks what happened with Chris Benoit, seeing how much of a great wrestler he was. I mean, when I watched him, he was one of my favorites. Chris Benoit, Rey Mysterio, uh, Eddie Guerrero, The Undertaker, Kane, all these wrestlers that I watched within those three years were such, like, inspirations for me. Shit, even I got uh, inspired to be a wrestler, too, for a small moment. I was like, I want to be a wrestler. And then I realized, no, I can't do it. But it was such, like, it was so inspiring. It was, like, so so much larger than life, you know. It, it was I loved it. I loved it for that small time.
0: If you were to be a wrestler, what would be your wrestling name? I have no idea. No?
1: <laughs> I have no idea.
0: No? Oh.
1: What would be yours?
0: Oh, I'd be Handsome Chris K. <laughs> um, shout out to uh, my good buddy, co-worker uh, Nick, for coming up with that. He's already got... It. We also got uh, my finishers. I would be using Christian's Kill Switch, but uh-huh. I would be using the original name, the uh, Unprettier. Uh-huh. And then um, I would do... Um, I would do the Claymore, like uh, Drew McIntyre, but I would be calling it the makeover. Ah. Huh. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. If and, anyone's uh, listening. Yeah, if anyone's listening, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I could probably cut one hell of a promo. Yeah, Chris is uh, good at
1: that type of stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, there was that instance at, um, it was at Fanime, right, where I was Macho Man? Oh, yeah. Where I- I dressed up as Macho Man and had the bandana, had the sunglasses, had the tank top. But then there's a guy who was uh, dressed up a little bit like Hulk Hogan, and I caught him, and I, I cut a promo on him, and we just cut one back and forth. I, I want to say I won the promo, but <laughs> yeah, people because, started circling around and actually recording the promo itself. Yeah,
1: was, they were. I, I just regret not re- uh, recording that promo, and you did win it because at the end he kind of ran out of things to say, but I could tell you had more things to say. Oh, had, I had. I had. had way more things to say. <laughs> oh,
0: I could have cut a promo on him all day. I yeah. could cut him like sliced bread.
1: Yeah, I, I knew it, but I, I regret not having pulled out my phone and just like, recorded that but it's one of those things where oh well but it was i mean you have a picture of it on your instagram so yeah
0: yeah i do have a picture of me and uh me and the hulkster yeah um no it's been a really good uh good little trip down memory lane um you know reminiscing about that and just talking about uh my appreciation for wrestling yeah
1: and i think it's something that um now that we have this being one of our main topics it might be something where i'll appreciate it more visiting classic matches um, or events or-, or events like current uh, pay-per-views seeing that you have the network i'll probably just come over and watch it yeah so we'll have probably like and then when it transitions to peacock <laughs> i'll have that yeah so it'll be something <laughs> maybe it's something i'll come back to yeah. maybe it's something I'll, I'll be a bigger fan of than i was before well um, you never know or something i'll just watch and appreciate for it is for what it is seeing that i was a fan before and I fell off but now I know how it kind of works. So it's a different kind of mindset being older, watching all those backstage things and documentaries. You kind of know how everything works and how everything is written and built. So yeah, we'll we'll see where this goes to.
0: So yeah.
1: So um If any of you have
0: a favorite wrestler, favorite wrestling moment uh, you might want us to talk about, you could hit us up on our social medias. Uh, Both Bryant and I uh, usually try and tag the podcast (laughs) in a post. So, you know, if you want to comment on there, that'd be groovy to the max. Message Chris. (laughs) Yeah, message me, um, and I'll tell you whether or not it's lame. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding. If it's wrestling, it can't be lame.
1: Yeah, no, I can't.
0: Uh, But thank you all for listening. Uh, Hope you all had a great week. Uh, we will be back again in action next week. Yep. Uh, and the next topic is, that's a surprise, you'll have to listen to next week. Yeah. Once <laughs> again, be cool, wear your mask, let's get over this fucking thing together. And uh, this has been 3-2-1 Count. Again, I am Chris. And I'm Brian. And I'll be back, brother. <laughs>